This is Let's Review, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about current events, art, politics, and identity. I'm Kim Springer. And I'm Jen White. Let's get into the show. I am not a role model. I'm not paid to be a role model. I am paid to wreak havoc on the basketball court. Parents should be role models. Just because I dunk a basketball doesn't mean I should raise your kids. So that's former NBA player Charles Barkley in a Nike commercial from 1993. And the issue he brings up is a debate that continues today. Are people in the public eye, particularly people of color, automatically role models because they're so visible? So African-Americans have a history of representing the race, so whether they do that willingly or unwillingly. In the early 20th century, scholar and educator W.E.B. Du Bois talked about this idea of a talented tenth, so that a tenth of the population is going to be educated and cultured, and they would be the leaders of all black people. Mm -hmm. And I think that idea carried over into the civil rights movement for both leaders and everyday people. Because, you know, you didn't turn up to a civil rights demonstration looking any old way you wanted to. Your clothes were Sunday neat. You had your hair in order. Your shoes were polished. And I think that's where some of our current assumptions about representing blackness come from. So how does that history translate into today's reality for athletes and entertainers? Joining us now is Dahani Jones. He is an entrepreneur, philanthropist, NFL linebacker, author, host, and explorer. Dahani, thanks so much for being here. Uh, Thanks for having me. So Dahani, you've done all of those many things that Jen just listed. I wanted to know how you would describe what inspired your career trajectory or your multiple careers trajectory? I think it's about um, I think it's about good examples that have been set. I think it's about uh, people that I grew up reading about and what they had done to achieve um, you know their success along the way. Uh, people like Paul Robeson, which I read a lot about in college in terms of how he sort of diversified his ability not only as an athlete but as an actor, as an actor but also as a philanthropist, but as a philanthropist but also as an educator and really setting a specific trend. And I think it's about looking at the role models that have sort of made an impact on my life and then wanting to follow suit. When I look at what you've done, I'm wondering if you've been particularly strategic in the opportunities you've chosen to pursue or have you just followed your various passions? Well, I think... I think you follow your passions or else, you know, sometimes like sometimes people put a strategic plan in place, but unless it's authentic to who you are, then people will find the faults and the errors along the way. Um, I think it's about being able to be a little bit more subjective about the things that you're passionate about, things that you care about, people who you're surrounded by, and also understanding the things that you're essentially good at not going so far outside the boundaries, but if you do, identifying things that really connect it. So you always find a way to segue things both in and out. That is very wise. Everyone mm-hmm. does not have to do everything. <laughs> Just do something really well. I mean, if you, I mean, if you want to do a lot of things, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I mean, I've had that position and I've had that you know, placed upon me for a lot of different things. People are like, well, you're doing, you know, you're, you're in, in investing in creative. You're doing stuff uh, uh, with, with, with manufacturing. You're doing stuff on TV. People say you're doing a lot of things. But I think it's not necessarily the fact that you're doing a lot of different things because I can go to an investment firm that might have 20,000 different properties underneath its 
banner, but I think it's really what is the what does a holding company stand for, right? Because I think at the end of the day, people want to know really what you're passionate about, what you care about. And if you're doing a lot of things, well, then move it underneath really the banner of what you stand for, really what you proclaim, what's your proclamation. Okay, so I have to ask you then, what do you stand for? If there's a Dahani Jones brand, what would that brand slogan be? Well, I think it's about, I think it's about telling stories. I think it's about shifting consciousness. I think it's about affecting change, right? I think it's about building, not necessarily by yourself, but with the community and inspiring and creating a platform where everybody essentially has a voice. And, you know, I started off obviously playing the National Football League, which is fantastic, and moving into the world of, of philanthropy via creating bow ties for so many amazing organizations. It really all comes down to, okay, why did I play the game of football? Because I because obviously I have a passion for the game. I love sports. I love competition. But it's one of the greatest stages that anybody could play on. But why? It's about changing the negative stereotypes that are associated with black male athletes. Do I have to fall into the fray of what most people stereotypically determine a black male athlete to be? No. I can play the game and represent within the community as well as cause a shift within business so that what people believe stereotypically would happen to an athlete, I can be a part of what people will soon realize is possible with many athletes. There's a lot of negative stories. Let's shift towards positive stories. And then in the world of bow ties, where I had a platform, obviously, to play the game of football, my friend Kunta Littlejohn and his fight through cancer, he didn't necessarily have a voice outside of where he lived. So let me amplify that by wearing my bow ties giving you an opportunity to tell your friend or giving you an opportunity to tell about your family or somebody that you care about. But in regards to how I'm connected, people still see my friend. So I'm doing a service for him, and we're doing a service together for those that you care about and those that you're supporting. So it's a cyclical process, and I think it's all about how we balance. But most importantly, what's the banner? What do we proclaim? So we started the show listening to Charles Barkley say he's not a role model and that parents should be role models. We were wondering what you think about this question of athletes being role models. I think athletes, I mean, we are 110% role models. Um, I think the parents' responsibility is to help the children decide who is their role model from the things that they watch and the things that they see. So do you want to tell us a bit more about how you're using your platform? Well, I mean, I transitioned from the National Football League and kind of went into the world of media as well as the world of business. And I've always kind of looked at you know, I've looked at what Magic Johnson has been able to do in terms of the businesses that he's been able to create and at the same time maintain his media connectivity. And I think it's about paying homage to the sport that allows you an opportunity to be where you are today and playing the National Football League for 11 years and then being able to go and do different television shows, Spike TV, uh, Playbook 360, which is an interstitial, or GT Academy, which is essentially a game show, um, or CNN with Be a Champion, which is a fantastic opportunity to help people live to their potential by identifying things that they may not realize would be holding them back or things they need to do more of in order to move themselves forward, or working in the world of football around fantasy football or reporting for direct TV. So, you know, that's where I've moved in the world of media and then also in the world of business 
um, by investing in companies that have incredible ideas, but might have a, a minority appeal as well. I think that there's a lot of people that have a lot of brilliant ideas. I think there's a lot of ground that we still have yet to cover. I think there's a lot of space, and I think there's a lot of blue ocean of opportunity. And I like to work with those within our arena. And then on the philanthropic side with Bowtie Cause, it's about helping people tell their stories. So whether I'm doing stuff in the media, whether I'm doing stuff with Key Capital, whether I'm doing stuff with Proclamation, or whether I'm doing stuff with Bowtie Cause, it's about helping people tell a story. Um, it's about bringing people together. It's about utilizing the platform in a positive manner in order to kind of create as well as deconstruct these negative stereotypes and replace them with positive success stories so positive stereotypes can be um, extracted and we can all be better role models moving forward. So, Dahani, when a young person approaches you and they say, you're my hero, I'm sure you've heard that before, what, what chord does that strike in you when you hear those words? Well, it's, I mean, I, 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 number one, I know I'm getting older. <laughs> I think that's the one. You're my hero. I'm like, oh, man. I don't think, uh, uh, I'm getting older. Um, so I think, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm honored. Um, but I also think that it's, it also lets me know I have more work that needs to be done. Um, but hopefully it also means that I've done a couple things right along the way. We all make errors and mistakes and we all have things to clean up. But, um, you know, when when someone comes up to me and says that, I I turn around and ask them, you know, what what do I do or what more can I do or how can I help you? It's never really in a selfish standpoint. It's always in a self from a selfless standpoint. Dahani Jones is a long list of things, including entrepreneur, philanthropist, author, host, explorer, and NFL linebacker. Dahani, thanks so much for making time for us. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Oh, thank thank you for having me. So Marshawn Lynch, Seahawks running back, he caught a lot of flack during the Super Bowl media circus a couple of months ago for not playing their game. Hey, I'm just here so I won't get fined. I'm just here so I won't get fined. But his actions were criticized, and not just because he made interviews difficult. This is retired professional football player and sports commentator Rodney Harrison. I like Marshawn Lynch. Nothing personal against him, but you asked me about what my thoughts were. I think it's one of those things where they sit back and they take it as a joke, but it's not fair. I mean, for years, Dan, let me just say this coming from an African-American man. For years, black people didn't have a voice in this world. And you finally have an opportunity to have a voice and to talk. And you treat it and you make a mockery out of it like it's a joke. And I don't agree with it. And I don't care if people criticize me for saying what I'm saying. It's just how I feel. And I I just, I don't like it. You know, we've worked hard to try to get educated and to to do things. He has an opportunity that a lot of young African-American kids look up to. And when they see him acting like that and and people applaud it and people support it, it's not right. And I, I don't agree with it. So, Kimberly, what do you think? Is there something to what Rodney Harrison is saying? There is something to what he's saying because sports, in my opinion, are a plantation economy. Okay, wait. You dropped the P word. What do you mean? You have to explain that. I'm not going to exactly quote Minister Farrakhan from his MSU speech, but it's worth looking up. Basically, he was saying that if you are playing the white man's game, you need to hoe that row. And that's what he was saying that athletes need to do. 
And I don't care how much money you're being paid or in the case of young black men who are playing for the NCAA, someone's always getting paid more money. And that somebody is usually white. So that's the team owners, the television network shareholders, and also advertisers. So in that respect, yes, speaking to the media is part of your contract. But that's a different issue than the role model thing, which I feel a bit crazy saying, but I agree with Charles Barkley to some degree. But I think we have to deal with the reality that kids look up to people who are in the public eye. I mean, we live in a consumer society, so the right shoes to wear or the popular video games to play or the right team to cheer for, there are faces attached to that. Was there somebody you idolized when you were growing up? Charlie's Angels. Kate Jackson, Karate Chop. (laughs) She was a total badass. But I also had a parent who found a movie projector, and she found these dusty old black history reels, and she showed me these films in the living room. So my mom guided me in the types of qualities that make for a good role model. So I don't think it's an either-or situation that either celebrities are role models or parents. But I think that whoever is guiding kids need to teach them what's worth valuing in a potential role model and also what they should just dismiss as trash. Okay, can I just say, though, the whole Kate Jackson karate chop thing explains so much to me about you. So I'm glad I had that little piece of information. (laughs) I will chop you. I will chop you. But that doesn't really address the question of whether there's this moral obligation to be a role model if you choose a career that puts you in the public eye. So I I think it's kind of a cop-out to say, okay, yeah, I know I'm famous, but parents, you should be better role models to your kids. Ideally, yes. I think absolutely you want kids surrounded by people who are excellent role models and are in close proximity to them. But there are some kids who don't have that. And then we're talking about kids. So that means sometimes they don't want to listen to the adults around them. They don't want to, they don't care about what mom or dad has to say. And the person who's on television is a lot more attractive to them. So, for instance, I would love to like poll teachers and principals and some parents and be like, how many times did you hear? I'm just here so I didn't, I don't get fined around Super Bowl time. You know, I could just hear like this fourth grader getting pulled into detention be like, I'm just here so I don't get fined. It, they're kids. They, they pick that stuff up. And adults pick it up because I'm going to be saying it all week. I'm just here so I don't get <laughs> fine. For real, though, I don't think the burden is entirely on parents. And I don't know why I'm sticking up for celebrities, but we're not just dealing with television. We live in a media-saturated culture where famous people have no privacy to mess up or to be human or just to be as stank as they want to be. So how do we adjust our expectations in today's cultural reality? Because we've thrown kids into it, but we've also thrown celebrities into it. And I think that is a major issue. We're in a world when, you know, a video can go viral in a matter of hours. And parents and other grown-ups have more on a, more of a burden on them to curate what their kids are exposed to. But I also think that means if you decide to live a public life, you can say you're not a role model. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't make it so. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, you know, different for athletes because somehow they've still managed to obscure the management structure for Mm. them. You know, who's crafting these personas. So maybe Marshawn acting up is part of a larger game. I mean, after all, he is trying to trademark his new catchphrase. Right, right. And so the idea that we, that kids may be modeling their behavior on a public figure, the truth of the matter is we may not really know who that person is at all. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Kimberly, I want to get back to what you talked about at the very beginning about the Talented 10th. And I think there is additional 
pressure put on people of color who are in the public eye because there is this feeling that there aren't enough role models for kids. And so if you're in the public eye and you're a person of color, you have to be like extra special, (laughs) extra Mm -hmm. super, extra perfect because there's this idea that there are all these kids running around just freestyling life. And I don't know that that's the case, but I think that is a concern both for white people and for people of color. Mm -hmm. And I I think it probably comes from a perceived breakdown of different institutions. So you had Daniel Patrick Moynihan in the 1960s talking about the decline of the black family as a structure. So his whole thing was very debatable. But then, you know, we also have a decline in the influence of the black church. So I think there's an institutional aspect where people would get these role models from that is no longer as stable as it used to be. So Mm -hmm. I think that also makes individuals very nervous. And I think it causes a real tension when you look at someone like (sighs) Rihanna, for instance, who I think has this public persona where it's like she ran out of give a damn like (laughs) six years ago, you know, and, and, but she is completely unapologetic about who she is. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how much of that image is curated by, you know, the, her, her team. I don't know, but people like her, I think it's very difficult to fit them in a certain box because she is sort of doing her own thing and isn't trying to explain any of her actions. She's just who she is and then it's like it's left to the public to mm-hmm. like, OK, what what do we do with with this young woman and her public blunt spoken and all of that stuff? But it seems like the best response from her is non-response mm-hmm. in that way. She's leaving it up to parents to to work it out if they want their kids following her on Instagram. I mean, I do. Right. But right. do you want your kids doing that? And I think sort of on the flip side, you have someone like Beyonce, who I think is very hyper careful about her image Mm -hmm. and the way she communicates with her fans and you know the the pictures that get out or don't get out and you know she she's she's she is one of the most carefully curated um celebrities I've ever seen and it's just fascinating to watch how she controls the flow of information from her empire, if you will, out into the public. And it's it's just really interesting mm-hmm. to watch how she shaped her image. Yeah. It's kind of like a classic Hollywood model where there is a barrier between the fans and the celebrities. So it allows her some privacy, but then also to be constructed in a particular way that might be more palatable for people. Here are some things for your review. On the website, we've posted links to the Charles Barkley ad. And I'm also going to recommend an NPR interview with Nichelle Nichols, who played Uhura on the original Star Trek. Love her. The now defunct Tell Me More program. I had heard a story about Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. talking her into staying on Star Trek and playing Uhura because, I mean, she was fourth in command. And yes, MLK Jr. was a Trekkie. So she was going to quit after the first season, but he ambushed her at an NAACP dinner and talked her into staying on the show because to see her on TV, fourth in command was really rare at the time. So that's my recommendation. And I have to say that as a just down to the bones Trekkie, I, I cannot tell you what it meant to me as a young woman to see her on television in that role. It was like the first voice heard in the universe as they were exploring was that of a black woman. And I just... 
that did all kinds of things for me. I loved it. <laughs> you know, we, we've talked about celebrities and athletes being role models and this concern that there aren't adequate people in, you know, being role models to kids. But there are a lot of people who aren't famous but who are actively and purposefully doing this work on the ground. And I want to point folks towards the Manhood Project that's out of Detroit, Michigan, my hometown. Um, it's founded by a young man named Phil Black, and it's a leadership development program for young men. And their slogan is, and I love this, manhood is about being present, not perfect. And you can check them out at tmpmentoring.com. That is it for this review session. If you go to our website, medium.com slash let's dash review, you'll find some of the videos we've mentioned in this podcast. And you'll also find our recommendations for your review. And if you want to get in touch, you can email us at letusreviewpodcast at gmail.com. And thanks so much for joining us for this Let's Review. I'm Jen White. And I'm Kimberly Springer. <laughs>